You know, I just love those verses in uh, John chapter 15. And uh, actually, the whole chapter is just so powerful. It's one of the most powerful uh, chapters in the Bible. And it focuses on a metaphor of a vine, uh, Jesus being the vine and we being the branches. And oftentimes, Jesus would use metaphors to convey to his disciples uh, exactly who he was and who they were in him. And so it was so important for them to find their identity in him and not apart from him. And I think it's the same thing today. God still calls us to find our identity and our purpose and our strength in him. Because we can find it in a lot of other things. We can be distracted by a lot of other things, but God wants us to find it in him. You know, Jesus often used metaphors throughout his teaching. If you think about it, even in just the Gospel of John, you have, uh, let's see, the bread of life. In John chapter 6, verses 35 to 51, he's talking about him being the bread that sustains us. And he says, you'll never be hungry if you have this relationship with him. He's the living water. He's the one that will quench the thirst for your soul. Our souls are thirsty for something. After We often go after other things to quench our thirst. Whether that be in other relationships, in a job, in, a, in, in just our own performance. But we're trying to quench the need in our soul by anything else. He's the light of the world so we don't walk in darkness. He's the good shepherd. And oftentimes these are are motifs that come from the Old Testament. Remember the Psalm 23? It's the most famous psalm. But Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd. And Jesus said, you can trust me. You'll be my sheep and you'll follow me. You'll hear my voice. And then he said, I'm the servant of all in John chapter 13. I'm the servant of all and I've given you an example to follow after me. In fact, John 15 comes after Jesus has just washed the disciples' feet, and now he's teaching them, after this last meal that he's had with them, he's teaching them about what he really wants them to understand. So the last motif, the last metaphor that he gives them is so powerful. And it's about the true vine. And uh, in our context, it's hard to grasp the idea of what Jesus was talking about because, I don't know, does anybody have a vineyard? You growing any... Grapes for what? No, we're not. Okay. You don't have a vineyard. How about tomato plants? Tomato plants? Yeah, okay. So think of Jesus. He's the, the vine of the tomato plants. We're just a little branch, okay? But he's trying to convey something that is even deeper because in the history of Israel, Israel is always referred to as the vine, the choice vine. The one that God takes care of in his vineyard. He's the one that has formed his people. He's made them and he's replanted them. He said, and so this is a very important uh, truth. And so what Jesus is doing is he's saying, I am, I am going to be the vine. You're going to be the branches. And there is going to be a relationship that we're going to have that is so dynamic even after I'm resurrected and ascended into heaven through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus, right before he gives this motif of the vine, he says, I will ask the Father, he'll give you another advocate to help you, who will be with you forever. It is the Spirit of truth, in John fourteen sixteen. 
And then he goes on to say, he's, he's continuing to hit on this idea because the disciples are saying, Jesus, you're going away. What are we going to do? What's going to happen to us? I feel like we're abandoned. And they were feeling this deep inside. They're saying, can we go with you? No, you can't come with me right now. Well, where are you going? Well, you'll know. I'll not leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. And so Jesus was saying, don't feel as though you're totally abandoned in this world, my children. I'm going to come to you. I will reveal myself to you. And I always think about this when I'm feeling alone. Even that song, Your Love Defends Me, that we just sang. When we're feeling alone, when we're feeling left out, we have to remember that as children of God, we belong to God. He's our Father. We're not orphans. Some people have an orphan spirit within them. And it might be because they were abandoned as children. They never connected with their parents. And they just feel like they're always alone. That they're always on their own. And Jesus was saying, no, you're not on your own. You belong to me. And whoever has, and on that day you'll realize that I am in the Father. You are in me. And I am in you. So Jesus was redefining the whole relationship he was going to have with his disciples. No longer was it a religious rules that they were to obey, but he was going to come and live within them through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this changed everything. This redefined the whole relationship that God wants to have with us. And it's still true today. That he would come and live in us and be with us. And then he says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The father who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. In John 14, 20 and 21, it's really our theme for this coming year to love and obey Jesus. But it only happens if you're connected to him in relationship. And so Jesus comes back and he says, okay, guys, I'm going to give you one more metaphor. And this one you've got to get. And he says this. He talks about being the vine and him being the, uh, him being the vine and we being the branches. And so he has to define, he has to redefine this whole process in their mind because in their minds, they know who the vine is. The vine has always been Israel. It's always been the people of God. And Jesus is redefining this. And let me give you a little background to this in the context. So in Psalm 80, verse 89, you brought up a vine out of Egypt, you drove out the nations and planted it, you cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. God built the nation from Abraham. So God built a nation out of Abraham and his followers, and he created a nation, and he called it Israel. And then through the years, God brought them even out of uh, Egypt and then replanted them in the promised land and, and gave them everything that they need, took care of them. And then in Isaiah chapter 5, it says, The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the house of Israel. The men of Judah are the garden of his delight. He looked for justice but saw bloodshed for righteousness, but he heard cries of distress. The problem with Israel and the people of God being the vine was that they got corrupted. Why did they get corrupted? Because of the power of sin. The power of selfishness. And it's still the same today. On our own, we cannot 
have the strength to please God. It'll always turn to self-motivation or self-gratification or always, we'll always go after something else when we get discouraged. And this is what happened with the people of Israel. And then it says in Jeremiah chapter 22, chapter 2, verse 21, I had planted you like a choice vine of reliable stock. How then did you turn against me into a corrupt wild vine? So this is what happens. God took them as a nation, built them up, gave them his laws, provided for them, did miracles, brought them out of Egypt, fed them with a manna from heaven, did everything that he could for them. He did so much for them, but yet still they turned away from him. You know, the same thing happens today. Israel's story can be our story. At the time when Jesus was telling this parable to the disciples, Israel's story was the disciples' story, right? They were all going to run away. They were all going to deny him. They were all going to be on their own after that Last Supper, even though he's giving them this parable. And Israel's story is our story unless there's a transformational relationship with God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I don't want you to miss this. Unless you have a relationship with Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, your life will never change into the thing that God wants it to be into the person that God wants you to be, your life will not transform. The relationship with God is so important. Now you could say, but Al, I'm going to try hard. I'm going to try my best. I did that already. I mean, when I was 17, 18, and I came to Christ, I tried my best to please God. I was so excited. And a lot of times I just fell right on my face because I was trying to do it on my own. I wasn't depending on God. He says, so so Jesus is talking about this. And then there's one more verse I want you to look at in Psalm 80, verse 16 and 18. Because God already prophesied that he was going to redefine the whole relationship with his people. He says this. He talks to Israel and he says, Your vine is cut down, it's burned with fire. At your rebuke, your people perish. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand the Son of Man who you have raised up from, for yourself, then we will not turn away from you, revive us, and we will call on your name. Even in Psalm 80, the psalmist was prophesying that one day, the Son of Man, meaning Jesus Christ, who called himself the Son of Man, quite often he identified himself as the Son of Man, he would come and he would become the choice vine. And he would impart into his disciples his presence, his power, and they would know his voice and follow after him. And so Jesus, when he comes to tell them about this story about the vine and the branches, they already know from their history and from what they've learned as children that Israel is the vine. 
Israel is the vine. And Jesus says, no, I want to redefine everything. And he says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. And so he's redefining this relationship with them that no longer are they the vine. Don't find resource. Try to find the resource in yourself. Be a branch and find your resource in me and my father who is over you and watching over you. And so there's a secret to the vine and branch principle that Jesus is revealing. And he's revealing it because we need to understand it. I remember the first time I heard a message on John 15. I was 19 years old, and I went to my brother's college, and there was a Sunday school. They had planted a church, and there was a Sunday school, and there was a college student teaching the Sunday school. And this woman was probably only 20 or 21, but she had an insight about John 15. And for the first time, I really grasped it and understood it. And I remember her speaking about us needing to have an intimate, close relationship with Jesus, or we won't have the strength to follow him and obey him. And at that moment in my life, I was on a sin, confess, sin, confess cycle. I mean, I wasn't getting any better. I was just kind of floundering in my relationship with Jesus Christ. I was up one day, down in the depths the next day, up one day, and then down in the depths the next day. But I wanted to be close to him. And it made perfect sense when she began to explain this parable, this uh, motif to me. And one of the things that was so powerful about it was this next verse. It says that he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be made even more fruitful. And so she started to talk about, you know, there's times when God has to prune us. What do you mean by that? I mean, he has to cut off the things that are dead in our life that don't lead to life in Jesus Christ. What could that be? Well, that could be um, relationships that are pulling you away from Jesus Christ. Don't make them your closest relationships in your life. And I had to make a choice about who I was going to hang out with, who I was going to be closest to. And I had to find people that would love Jesus Christ and encourage me to follow Jesus Christ too. And it was, uh, it was really important that I make that choice. For me, that was one of the things that God was cutting off. I brought, you know, I brought something here today. This is not my grapevine, but this is my rose bush. This is my rose bush. And you know, this rose bush, it's really taken off this spring. It's really big. I don't know. I guess roses are doing good this this time because I usually have trouble with this rose bush. And I remember I had to cut it way back last year in order for it to get fuller. And then when I went out to see it uh, this morning, I looked at it and uh, I saw that some of its branches were just, they just kind of grow way, way out there, you know, like they're so tall. But the rest of the, the rest of the bush is kind of narrow. And then, so a lot of times in our life, we think the highest, greatest thing, uh, God, you, you can't touch that in my life. You can't touch that in my life. That is so important to me. 
And uh, sometimes God actually prunes the things that are nearest to our heart because he wants us to trust in him even more and for some new growth to happen into our life. And I remember, and I look at this rose bush, <coughs> and there is a bud. You can't see it, but there's a bud here from last, last uh, summer. And there's a, there's a little bud here, and it's, it's not very big, but it's there. But it's not going to bud again right from there. It's not. That's an old bud, all right? So what happens is when a lot of things that, the things that we experience in the past, God wants to bring us into a deeper, newer relationship with him than we've ever had before. And so he clips off that. And if this branch could talk, say, oh, man, what you doing to me? You just cut off my, my, my old bud. That was such a beautiful flower before. It was gorgeous pink. Red. Yeah, Lori said it was red. I was red. And I'd say, yeah, but now look at it. It's just all dried up. It's, it's not worth it. You know, I've got something so much better for you, Mr. Rosebush. No, 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 no. Yeah, in fact, you know, this thing that's growing out of you right here, it's not good. It's not going to bear any fruit. I'm going to have to clip. No, no, no. Ow. Now we're getting down to less and less. But a lot of times, we think God is up to something really mean and sadistic in our lives when things happen to us that we didn't plan on happening, and we lose something, or we get a setback. And it may be the very place that God is going to redeem and bring new life out of. And that's what God does. He's so... Wise. He is the faithful gardener. I am very inexperienced at growing. I mean, it's a miracle that our rose bushes grow. But people that are gifted in horticulture, they know how to bring the best fruit out. And, and Jesus was using this illustration of the vine and the branches because he understood that they understood how to have the greatest crop was to do through pruning. There was a certain season when God had to cut off the dead branches, the things that weren't going to bear fruit, so that new fruit could could come forth. And he does the same thing in our lives. And so he said to them, I don't want you to get discouraged when this happens. Stay with me. Stay in me. That's the time when the greatest growth is going to happen. Don't become discouraged. And then he goes on to say, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Do you ever think when bad things happen to you, oh, God must be mad at me? God must be punishing me? God must be upset with me? That's why he let this happen? I'm telling you, if you belong to Jesus, he loves you to your very core. He cares about you deeply. In fact, he even proclaims that you are totally forgiven in him if you belong to him. And then what he wants you to do is remain in him. He says, remain in me 
As I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And so he uses this word remain. It's also used in other translations as abide. It also can be connect or can be attached. But make your source of life and hope and love to be in Jesus Christ. Because it will never run dry. So Jesus brings this motif, this metaphor, rooted in the Old Testament. He redefines it with his disciples and the church and us. And he says, remain in me. Because if you remain in me, you'll bear much fruit. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do Some things? No. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing of eternal, transformational value can happen apart from Jesus Christ. And if you would love to be transformed and renewed and know God intimately and greater and have His love and the fruit of His Holy Spirit, love, joy, and peace in your life... It is a key is to remain in Him. Remain in Him. You see, your primary and most important relationship in this world is with Jesus Christ. It's the key to your spiritual and emotional health. It's the key to understanding and knowing who you are and the purpose and direction you have for your life. He loves to reveal His will to you. But oftentimes, he'll only do it one step at a time. Oh, that's not fair. I want to know everything. I want to know, if I take this step of faith, what's going to happen? If I go on this mission trip, I want to know what's going to happen next. You can't know. You have to take one step at a time. You obey him and follow him. And then he begins to show you the next step to take. He won't show you the next step quite often until you take the first step. People say, I'm I'm too scared to take the next step. Well, then you're not remaining in him. You're You're trying to get, you're trying to control the situation. He's the gardener. He's the one that's pruning you. He's the one that's making you grow. He's the one that's in control. I want to be in control. No, you can't be in control. You can't be in control. But he is, and he loves you. And because of that love, you can trust him. Now this is what it says here a little bit later on in John chapter 15, 7 and 8. He says this, If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, and the Greek word for word is not logos here, which means doctrine or it means the laws or the written word, but it's the word rhema. He says, if my spoken word remains in you, the life-giving word, the word that comes from the Bible, but the Holy Spirit brings into your life and it becomes a rhema, it becomes a spoken word that you understand God is speaking to me. God's presence is here. 
when he begins to speak that way to you, the Bible says you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, I'm not, you know why? Because he's going to speak to you how to pray. The Holy Spirit is going to teach you how to pray according to his will. And when you pray according to his will, things happen. And so it's so important to be remaining in God. And so many people say, well, I went to church and nothing happened after that. Well, it's because just going to church doesn't cause you to remain in Jesus Christ. It's a daily relationship. It's a relationship that he wants to have with you. It's like this vine inside the rose bush. It doesn't just get up and take a break every couple months. It's a daily relationship. And then from that, as time goes on, there's fruit that happens. But it happens sometimes very slowly. But the process is taking place. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. See, God is 100% for us. He wants to bring spiritual fruit into our lives. And there's a couple definitions of spiritual fruit. There's the fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control and all those good things from Galatians chapter 5. But then there's also the fruit that comes from sharing the gospel with somebody else and they come to know Jesus and then they share it with somebody else and they come to know Jesus And so he's telling his disciples, he's leaving the entire church in their hands. But he's saying, you're going to not be able to do anything apart from me. And so the Holy Spirit comes and fills them with power. And then they begin to share the gospel. And wow, their lives are changed. They're no longer fearful, discouraged, depressed. They have a sense of God's purpose and plan in their lives, and then they're sharing the gospel with other people. And God is doing tremendous things. Can that happen to you? Can that happen to me? Yes. That's God's will. It's to to God's glory that that happens. But we have to stay, remain in Him. And God longs for us to remain in Him. So action steps to a transformational relationship with Jesus. Number one, redefine your relationship with Him. Ask yourself something. Lord, am I as close to you as you want me to be? When was the last time you got a rhema from God that God spoke to you something And then you acted on it. You you followed through and did what he said. Man, that's when life begins. That's when the manifest presence of God is there. That's when you begin to hear his voice again. That's when you begin to understand his purpose and his will for you. Remain in him. Even when he prunes you, cuts out the dead disease, sinful things in your life, let him work in your life. Continue to remain in Him. There's things that He wants to take out of your life, and then there's other things that He wants to pour in. (laughs) The, The blessings and His presence and His power. 
He wants to pour that into you so that you can be a blessing to others. In this whole relationship, the Apostle Paul, he defined it as a living sacrifice, that we are, we are just the branch. He's the vine. We're just branches. And he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is like normal. This is normal Christian life. He says, Offer, offer my body to God as a living sacrifice. God, you can do whatever you want with me. I surrender it all to you. I'll allow you to be the gardener. I'll just be a branch. However you want to use me. And I want to tell you, you will never be disappointed if you make that commitment to him. Results will come. Transformation, new growth, spiritual fruit will become evident in your life. You'll begin to recognize the presence of God, the leading of the Holy Spirit, and understanding the Bible in a deeper way when you begin to remain in God. And life makes more sense. He says you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. A lot of times, we're going all over the place to try to find out God's will for our our lives instead of just going directly to God and remaining in Him. And that's when He begins to open up doors that nobody else can close. Hey, Tim, can I use your guitar? Thanks. I want to just close with a song message, if I can play it. Yeah, okay. And it's a song I've already sung here before. Uh, wow, it's, it looks like a guitar is my voice coming through the guitar. So it's, um, it's a, uh, a song that I wrote back when my kids were very small. I was a busy parent, and I was busy in ministry. And it's, uh, it was a very stressful time in my life. And God just called me back to this organic relationship with him, like a branch in a vine. It's a very simple song, so... Uh... Just like a sailor sets his sail So my heart is set on following you Oh, I want to be Close to you as you are to me Just like a child with her mother So I cling to you, no other. Oh, I want to be close to you as you are to me. 
Praise the Lord. You know, as we, uh, we're going to go into communion today, and uh, we're going to sing a song of response here now. But what I'm asking you to do in communion is really answer this question. What would it take for me to remain in Jesus Christ in a deeper way than I've ever experienced before? How do I, you know, what does God want to do in my life? And just be open to him. And pray prayers of surrender. Pray prayers of saying, Lord, I'm yours. Do whatever you want in my life. I give my life as an offering to you. And, you know, that is the, God, God loves that type of prayer. He loves that type of prayer. You can even say, Lord, I give you my life, but I'm afraid 
you're going to clip this off me. But if you really have to do it, do it. I give you my life. I give you my family. I give you my relationships. I give you my job. I give you my future. It's all yours. I want your will. So allow the Lord to do that. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We ask that, Lord, you would work in our lives in such a way that we would be your living sacrifices, that we would remain in you, and that you would bring new life into us, new power, new purpose, new strength that can only happen because of our relationship with you. So have your way, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name.